My name's Clint. I'm pastor here at Gospel Church. And uh, if this is your first time visiting us, typically we're not here. Uh, there's seven Sundays a year that the mall is open that there are shopping Sundays. And so we uh, 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 just come up here and are spread out a little bit. Um, but it's a reminder to continue to pray uh, for the church as we uh, ask God for a new location uh, where we could gather uh, in one place. You know, a lot of churches are, are divided over our relationships or issues. We tend to be divided just by walls, like actual walls. Um, so, uh, so this is just another reminder uh, to continue to pray for God's leading to a new location. Well, you might not know this, especially if you're new, but there is a place in this city, in the city of Gdańsk, where time stands still. It's a place where there is no clock. It's a place where there's no calendar. Whenever I'm there, I look around and I don't even see a computer in 2023. I look around and no one is in a hurry. No one is rushing. There doesn't seem to be much activity behind the scenes. And in my years in Gnights, I've done my best to stay away from this place, to avoid this place. In the past, I've taken a train two hours just to, to stay away uh, from this place. But as recently as three months ago, I had to go to this place again. Many of you in this room today have been there before. Of course, I'm talking about the government office for foreigners in Gnights. It's the place you must go to get your residency card, to get your passport, uh, or as I like to call it, the place where time stands still, where time stops. And whenever you go there, there's always people waiting there. And some of you are waiting now for them to make a decision. Maybe you've been waiting a few months. Maybe you've been waiting years. The last time I was there, I had to pick up uh, our newborn daughter's uh, uh, residency card. I had made an appointment online months earlier. Uh, so I go there, I have to get this number, and then I sit down and wait. So they call my number, and, and I, I went to the person working at their station, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm here to pick up my daughter's card. And she said, well, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do that at this window. You need to go to that other window. So I looked at the other window, and of course, there's just more people waiting. I said, let me get this right. I made this appointment online a few months ago. I came today. I picked the number to pick up the card. My number is call called, but then you say you can't give me the card, so I have to wait some more. And she said, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's correct. You know, in my younger days, when I was less mature, uh, I, I definitely would have said something sarcastic. But in the end, I just laughed. I went to the other line and waited. I was so close to the finish line, I just wanted to get the card and get out. Maybe some of you have had similar experiences there. You know, it's one thing to wait and to know that something is happening with your file, to know that something is happening behind the scenes there. But it's much more difficult to wait months, even years, and know that absolutely nothing is happening, nothing is happening behind the scenes, that your file is just sitting there on the shelf. This morning I wanna talk about waiting, I wanna talk about patience. 
But I'm not talking about the residency office of good nights because that would require a sermon on miracles. Um, it's a joke. No, I'm talking about waiting on the Lord. It's easy to say that we will wait on the Lord, but I think that waiting on God is one of the most difficult things to do. It's easy to say it. It's another thing to actually do it. And the question I want to ask you this morning is, while you wait, when you're waiting, what do you think God is doing? Do you imagine that he's working and moving even while you wait months, maybe years? Or does it feel more like the residency office, that nothing is happening behind the scenes, that your life is just that file sitting on the shelf? Well, that's what I want us to look at this morning. So if you have a Bible, uh, please turn with me to Psalms chapter 62. We also have the text for you on the lyric sheet. Psalm 62 is where we'll be uh, this morning, beginning in verse 1. Verses 1 and 2. This is a psalm of David that was directed by the Levite priest, Jedithan. It says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. So this is a, a psalm of David. We'll learn a little bit more about David's circumstances in a moment. But at the beginning of this song, David declares that his soul, meaning his whole existence, waits in silence in God alone. From the Lord comes salvation, and that God alone is his rock, his fortress, and no matter what, David will not be shaken. What a powerful statement. When times are difficult, David says that it's God and God alone who gets David through it. In other words, David is depending on God fully. He's not depending on other things when life is hard. He depends on God alone. And in verse 1, we see that God waits for, or David waits for God in silence. You know, it's interesting in the New Testament, when we read verses about waiting on the Lord, it's typically about waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus will come back again. The first time Jesus came to earth, he, he came and lived a perfect life, dying for our sins on the cross. And he came preaching a message that if we believe in him, we can be saved from our sins and have eternal life in him. And when Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, rose three days later, appeared to his disciples and, and others, and, and, and ascended into heaven where it says right now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. But the New Testament teaches us that, God, that Jesus will come back again. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but Jesus will come back as the king of kings in power. And it will be glorious. So normally in the New Testament, when it talks about waiting on the Lord, it, it means that we are waiting for Christ to return. But oftentimes in the Old Testament, like here in Psalm 62, Waiting on the Lord usually is this idea of being confident that God will carry you through whatever life brings. It's having peace 
in the middle of a storm. It's this quiet faith, right? David says his soul waits in silence. So it's not stressed. It's not chaotic. It's not frantic. It's not all over the place. Rather, it's still. It's peaceful. It's even restful. One author writes, to wait in silence before the Lord is not being lazy or inactive. It is calm worship and faith, resting in his greatness and submitted to his will. So waiting on the Lord isn't about being nervous. Waiting on the Lord isn't about being anxious. It's not about being stressed. It's about calm. It's about peace. It's about worship. These are words of worship from King David in Psalm 62. God, you alone are my rock and my fortress. That is worship. And that leads me to my first point that we see again and again in the Bible, and that is to worship while you wait, as you wait, worship. Waiting on the Lord isn't like waiting in a long queue where you might get out your phone to pass the time or you start, might start reading a book, right? The goal isn't to just kill time while you wait on the Lord. That's not the picture we see here. We don't kill time when we wait on the Lord. Rather, we worship while we wait on the Lord. We confess to him that he is our rock, our fortress. He is our salvation. We don't kill time with the Lord. We use that time to draw near to him and worship, to confess our dependence on him. The Bible says our strength will rise as we wait on the Lord. We get stronger while we wait on the Lord. Something is happening. You know, if this morning you're in a tough season of waiting on the Lord, let me ask you, when's the last time you spent time in worship? Here we're gathered for corporate worship, but when's the last time just one-on-one, you and God, you spent time worshiping him? You know, worship doesn't mean that there has to be these, to, to be music and instruments and all of that. David says here that he waits for the Lord in silence. He's silent, but he's worshiping God by declaring God who God is, that he puts his trust in him. And as we see in the next verses, David had difficult circumstances. Look with me at verses 3 and 4. It says, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. So David began the psalm by declaring where his hope and power came from. And in verses 3 and 4, we can understand his circumstances looked hopeless. We don't know exactly what the situation was for David during this time, but we know from the rest of the Bible that King David spent a lot of time being chased and attacked, surrounded by his enemies. And you can feel his frustration. You can feel how tired he is of all this happening to him. In verse 3, how long, he asks. And he's not asking how long and expecting an answer of, well, David, it's going to be another two years or three months or five days. He's not asking how long to find out actually how long it will be. No, he's saying how long to express that this has been going on for far too long, in his opinion. How long will these people attack him? How long will they batter him? 
He compares himself to a, to a leaning wall and a weak fence that is about to fall over. The picture here is that David has had enough of his enemies and their attacks. The picture here is he is just about to break. These people try to bring him down. They say false things about him. They curse him, and he's tired of it. How long? How much more, Lord? You know, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that you put your head in the sand and pretend that everything is okay. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean you just smile all the time and, and say, yeah, everything is, is great in my life when it's actually not. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that you ignore reality. My second point this morning is that while we are waiting, we are honest about the waiting. David is being honest about his struggles right here. He's not pretending. He trusts the Lord in all of it, but he's being honest about his situation. He's tired of the lies. He's tired of the attacks. He trusts God, but he's also honest about the situation. You know, sometimes as Christians, we feel like we need to put a, a smiley face emoji, let's say, uh, on everything. We feel like if we actually talk about how hard this life can be, then maybe people think we're complaining or maybe people would say, oh, you just don't have enough faith. But that's not what we see here. I wouldn't say to David, stop complaining and just act like everything's okay. No, because life is tough. You know, many of you are going through a situation right now where you are thinking, how long, oh Lord, how much longer do I need to wait? How much longer can I actually take this? But we see here that we weren't meant to keep these thoughts inside of our heads. You need to share those thoughts with people you trust. You need to share these thoughts with people who love you, people who want to bear that burden with you, people who will pray with you, people who will cry with you, and people who are going to tell you God will get you through it. We need to do this because if we don't, our bubble, let's say, will, will burst. It will pop. You were never meant to carry the burdens of this life alone on your shoulders. We were meant to share and cast our, our cares on the Lord. We were meant to bear our burdens with one another, with people who love us. And if you don't do that, at some point, it will get too heavy. We need to be honest about the waiting. Honesty is not weakness. Honesty is truth. And we were never meant to wait on the Lord in isolation. We were meant to walk in this life with others. Let me ask you this morning, are you being honest with anyone about the struggles in your life right now? Are you being open and vulnerable with anyone about the battles you are facing? It's okay to be honest about the waiting. We see here that King David was, and we should be too. Verses 5 and 6. He says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Now, verses 5 and 6 look almost the exact same as verses 1 and 2, don't they? 
But there are, there are some small and important differences. In verse 1, David is sharing a, a general truth or an ideal, you could say. He says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. But in verse 5, David switches to the command form, the imperative form. He says, for God alone, oh, my soul, wait in silence. It's like he is telling himself to do the very thing he described earlier in verse 1. We also see a small difference, albeit significant difference, between verses 2 and 6. Both verses say that God is our rock. Both verses say that he is our salvation, our fortress. But at the end, there is a slight difference. In verse 2, David says that I will not be greatly shaken or moved. So the idea is that even though God is his rock and fortress, there still might be a little movement. He still might be a little bit shaken by his circumstances. But in verse 6, David's confidence has increased Instead of saying, I will not be greatly shaken or moved, David says, I will not be moved at all. In other words, verses 5 and 6 are David telling himself to live out those truths of verses 1 and 2. Which show us that it's one thing to know how to wait on the Lord. It's another thing to actually do it. Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. Knowing the Bible is great. Knowing the Bible and living out those truths is better. It gives us confidence in the times of waiting. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Verses 7 and 8, David further describes his hope and trust in the Lord. He says that everything depends on the Lord, his, his salvation, his honor. He says that God is his mighty rock. He says twice here that God is his refuge, his safe place when he is in danger. God is in his shelter in the storm. It's clear that David is in some kind of storm, but David knows that he could find safety in the Lord. And here we're reminded that God is with you while you wait. So waiting on the Lord isn't like waiting for a train to come, right? When you wait for a train to come, you're in one place, and the train is, let's say, two hours away coming to you. So you're waiting for the train, so you're not on the train yet. When the train arrives, the waiting's finished, you'll get on the train. That's not what waiting on the Lord is like. Waiting on the Lord isn't waiting on God to show up as if he's not there. No, he is there. He is with you. So he is the train that's coming, and you're on the train with them. And verse 8 says that God is our refuge. He's our place to go while we are waiting. So never ever are you waiting on the Lord alone. Rather, God is with you. He's not a train in the distance that will eventually come. He's always with you. Waiting on the Lord might mean waiting for his timing for something you've been praying or hoping for. 
But as his child, you never have to wait on him to arrive because he is always with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said uh, he is with us until the end of the age. He's with us always. So we wait on the Lord while we wait with the Lord. Does that make sense? We don't have to worry if God will show up because he's always there. Of course, his schedule isn't our schedule, so we wait on him, but we never wait alone because he's there. And in verse 8, David doesn't tell us to trust God 50% of the time. David doesn't tell us to trust God when everything is working according to our plans. No, David says to trust God at all times. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. That leads me to my third point this morning, and that is God is working while you wait. In our moments of waiting, we can trust that God is moving and working to bring about his plans in our lives. So it's not like the residency office where your file could be sitting on that shelf for six months, eight months, 18 months, and nothing's happening. It's not like that. Again and again in the Bible, we see God working behind the scenes while his people were waiting. Abraham and Sarah waited years for the child God promised, and God brought the child at just the right time. Joseph from the Old Testament had a dream when he was just a young boy that wasn't fulfilled for decades. During that time, his brothers sold him into slavery. He was put in prison. Uh, a, a lot of things happened. But in the end, the dream came true. He became powerful in Egypt and helped save them from famine. If you've read that story, you know there's this dramatic moment at the end of Genesis when Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. And they're afraid, right? They're afraid that Joseph might want revenge. But Joseph embraces them. And Joseph tells his brothers that what they meant as evil to him, God meant it for good. Joseph trusted the Lord even during long seasons of waiting and dark times. Hannah waited for the Lord to give her a child. So did Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist. Jacob waited to marry Rachel. I could go on and on and on. In all of these stories, it was clear that God was working behind the scenes the whole time to bring about his purposes. And he's working in our lives and in the lives of others, even when we don't realize it. You know, in the early days of, of Gospel Church, uh, there was a young man who was, who was a part of the church. I will call him uh, uh, Mihao. And Mihao was very active in the church. He would serve. Uh, we would meet. He was growing in the, in the knowledge of the Lord. He was baptized in this church. And it was great to have him be a part of this church. But eventually he moved to uh, the U.K. because of a relationship. And I heard that the relationship didn't work out. I heard that Michal had, had fallen on some hard times. And when I would message him or other people would message him, uh, he wouldn't really write back. Maybe he'd write something back really small, but that was about it. Other people tried to contact him too, but they didn't get much of a response either. As far as I know, I, I didn't know where he was. I didn't know if he was still going to church. I didn't know anything about Michal. But a couple of weeks ago, I received this email from a missionary in Spain. 
He said, Clint, I'm a church planter in Spain. I recently became friends with Michal. He has mentioned Gospel Church in our conversations. Michal and I have begun, begun reading scripture together, and I understand he was at one point baptized in your church. Be encouraged to know that God continues to work in lives that have passed through your community of faith. You know, it was so great to get this email. It was such a wonderful surprise. I had no idea Michal was even living in Spain. And it was just a reminder to me that God is always working behind the scenes. Even when we can't see it, even when we think the story might be over, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. David tells us in verse 8 to trust God at all times, which can be the hardest thing to do, especially when you've been waiting for a long time. It can be the hardest thing, but it is the most necessary thing. God knows what he is doing. God is good, and God does good, and you can trust him at all times. Look at me at the last verses, verses 9 through 12. It says, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Here David kind of zooms out on this whole situation and he's getting some perspective. So earlier in the psalm, verses 3 and 4, it seems like the enemies are winning. But at the end of the psalm, David looks at this situation and he sees the bigger picture. He looks at the power of his enemies. He looks at the status of the enemies. He looks at the wealth of the enemies and says, that might matter while we're on this earth, but that doesn't mean anything in eternity. He says, you can put your trust and status or wealth or power, but those things will fade away. They're like a breath here today and gone tomorrow. Earlier, it seemed like David's enemies were winning, but here we see that they might have won the small battles, but they ultimately lose in the big picture because they put their hope and trust in the wrong things. Verse 11, David reminds us that true power belongs to the Lord. The riches will fade away, but God's love is steadfast. His love never fails, and ultimately, we will be judged. And what matters in that moment will not be how much power we have, what status we have, which wealth we have. What will matter is, did you place your hope and trust in Christ Jesus? Did you find your treasure in him? There is salvation in no other name. No one comes to the Father except through his Son. And that leads me to my last point this morning, and that is waiting is temporary, eternity is forever. Waiting is temporary, eternity is forever. Here David understands the big picture, that there's more to life in our current circumstances. Yes, his enemies attack him, but in the end they won't win because God's power and love lasts forever. You know, as you wait on the Lord today, you must remember to see the bigger picture. It might feel like you have been waiting forever. You might be asking God the question today, how long, O Lord? But as believers, we know that this life is not all that there is. We talked a lot about this uh, last Sunday. If you weren't here, I invite you to 
to hop online and, and, and catch it. So in the scheme of eternity, this life is but a breath. Now, it doesn't feel that way in the moment, but it's the truth. And we have to remind each other about this, that we have a hope in Christ. We will be united with him forever. Waiting is temporary, but eternity is forever. Jesus warned us about this, right? He said we will have trouble in this world. This world will break your heart. This world will beat you down. This world will be tough. And we become tired. We say, how long, O Lord? How long will we suffer? How long will we wait? How long must we go through this? And we can become tired, even weary of waiting. But the second part of that verse, Jesus says, is that we must not fear because he has overcome the world. He offers you a better future than this world could ever give us. You know, this world was never meant to be it, which in the end brings us back to this New Testament idea of waiting on the Lord. This is why we wait for Christ to return. This is why we say, come, Lord Jesus. We don't know the date or the hour of his return, but we wait with expectation, with patience, with hope, trust in God with our own whole hearts. You know, I don't know what each of you are waiting on this morning, but there's a good chance that all of us here are waiting for something. Maybe you're waiting for a, a, a certain job situation or job possibility to be resolved. Maybe you're waiting for some clarity in a certain relationship. Maybe you're waiting as you seek to find a husband or a wife. Maybe you're waiting uh, uh, and asking God to give you children. Maybe you're praying and waiting and asking God for physical healing. Maybe you're praying and waiting and asking God for more certainty regarding your future. Or maybe you've been waiting a long time for the salvation of a loved one. Maybe you've been waiting on these things a long time. And you are saying, how long, O Lord? Like that image Davis, David gives us in verse 3, maybe it seems right now that your walls are about to fall down, that the house is going to fall apart. And that's real. But let me encourage you this morning that your waiting is not in vain. Your waiting is not a waste. God does have a purpose and plan. God is working behind the scenes. Waiting isn't a waste of time, as we sometimes think it is. Waiting builds our trust and confidence in the Lord. We are on his schedule, not our schedule. You know, the waiting is the hardest part as they say. We might be in a hurry or in a rush, but, but God is never in a hurry or rush. God, God, the Bible says God is not a God of, of chaos or confusion, but a God of peace. He's never early. He's never late. He's not slow in keeping his promises. He's always right on time. The question is, will you trust him? Will you trust his schedule? Will you trust his time? Will you trust his plans? Will you say in the midst of waiting, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From you come my salvation. You alone are my rock, my salvation, my fortress, and I will not be moved. So much of life is waiting, isn't it? So much of our journey with the Lord is waiting. 
The question isn't if we will wait, because for sure we will. The question is, how will you wait right now? I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come forward and lead us in a song of response to God's word. And in a moment, we're going to have a time of, of invitation. If God is working in your heart this morning, we want to help you. We want to, we want to pray for you. And this is just an, uh, an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is, is leading you uh, to do. You know, there are some things in this life that we do need to wait for. But there's other things we don't need to wait for at all. You know, if this morning God is moving you to turn from your sins, to trust Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to, to come forward. Don't wait on that. <laughs> Bible says today is the day of salvation. We'll be up here in the front to, to pray with you. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you've been waiting a long, long, long time for something. And you just need some encouragement. You just need some prayer to keep going. Me or, or Brother Jerry would love to, to pray for you up here in the front. So however God is leading you this morning, this is a time for you to respond. We'll be here in the front as you come. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for, for Psalm 62. Father, there's so much we can relate to in this, in this psalm. God, we pray that in the moments of, of waiting in our life, that we will remember what's true, that you are a rock, our salvation, our refuge, that we will not be moved. God, even when it feels like our enemies are, are winning, even when it feels like the world is winning, we don't put our hope and trust in those things. We put our hope and trust in you. So God, teach us how to, to, to wait well, how to trust in you, not with just part of our heart, 50% of our heart, but with our whole heart, knowing that you have a plan and purpose that is beyond our imagination. I pray that over all of us this morning, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.